Hello and welcome to The M Word, where we have uncensored conversations on all things marketing. We're your hosts, Jennifer Mulchandani and Heather Michaelgard. For season two, our conversations are focused on brand. Listen in for ideas you can use for your brand. Enjoy today's episode. Today on The M Word, we're talking with Gavin Hammer, the founder of StoryPrompt and former CEO and founder of Sendable, which was acquired in 2021. Gavin builds and grows self-funded SaaS businesses and believes that brands should surprise and delight their customers. Gavin shared how in the early days of Sendable, he felt compelled to pretend they were bigger than they were, creating a fake employee to answer emails. Now he focuses on brand authenticity and isn't afraid that story prompt is small. Our conversation goes deep into why investing in brand at the start of your journey is important. Please enjoy today's episode. Hi, Gavin. Welcome to the M Word. We're so glad to have you today. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Great to be here. Gavin, I know we're going to talk about brand and, and we're excited to do that, but I have to ask a question before we get there. Um, I've been in social media for several years and you have used many of the scheduling social tools. How did you create or why did you create a social media scheduling tool, Sendable? Uh, that's a very broad question. So I, I can probably take you back to the beginning. Um, so basically, my, my actually, it wasn't going to be a, a social media tool in the beginning. It was going to be a scheduling tool for emails. Uh, so my dad actually ran this company in South Africa, in Cape Town. And he asked me if I could build some software that, that let him schedule um, sort of birthday messages for his employees. So like text messages and emails. Uh, so I built this like software that did this scheduling. Um, and as I built it, I kept adding more features. So as, as I built it, you know, things like Facebook came out, Twitter was a big thing. So I added in the text and email, but also added in the social media components. Um, and I, I put it live back in 2008 on the web as a free tool uh, before businesses really took social media seriously. And we had like 20,000 users just signing up for free to schedule all their social media content. So I went from like nothing to like 20,000 users, uh, mainly because of timing, I think. And it wasn't like a planned business. It was more about this tool needed to exist. People needed scheduling tools for social media. Timing was right. And um, it just took off from there, really. So it's, a, it's like that marketing saying, like, you have to be, you know, first, best or only in the market. Like you were really a first when it came to this idea of planning social media ahead of time. Yeah, it's pretty crazy because, I mean, back then, no one would pay for this kind of tool, you know, there's just people thought social media is free. Why should I pay to schedule my content? Um, and then over time, we saw businesses really take it seriously. Um, so yeah, I agree. Like timing was right, but it took about three years to actually take off like as a business because other businesses hadn't really caught on to social media back, back then. Um, so it was like three years of building a product, iterating, learning about the, the market. Um, and then about 2010, 11, that's when we started to take off in terms of revenue. At what point in that, um, that journey between, you know, accidental great timing for a tool and, Hey, we have a business here. There's actual market demand. Like where in that journey did you start thinking, well, you know, if we're going to be a business, maybe we need to think about how we talk about ourselves or what, what do we have a brand, uh, you know, was it called Sendable at that point? Like, when did those elements come come into play? Um, yes, yeah, so my, my background is coding. So I was just like head down in the product building, you know, in the early years. Um, and I like back then I was, I believe that you need to, like, you had to pretend to be bigger than you were. 
So I actually created a fake employee. It was just me and me and someone else in the company, and you know, a third person. So I created a fake employee called Lisa. <laughs> and Lisa would be the one who would answer all the incoming emails, even though, even though it was me answering them. <laughs> it was like this, this you know, fake person. And back then, I just thought you had to be bigger. You had to pretend to be bigger than you actually were. Um, and then over time, as we grew um, to around 50 employees or so, probably around probably like maybe three or four years ago only, I realized the importance of brand. Um, so in the beginning, the, the, I think that the product did the talking for us. But over time, as the market became more saturated, where the likes of Hootsuite were up against were very well funded, we were always bootstrapped. And I realized that to stand out, we needed to actually build a brand um, and be positioned as the underdog almost. So you have this, this huge behemoth, which is Hootsuite, very well funded. Uh, but then I wanted to position ourselves as this underdog who was more human, uh, showing our faces. And I went from this fake employee sort of idea to be more transparent, like showing behind the scenes, being open, telling the truth, sharing my backstory, sharing how we overcame challenges as a company. And after that, people just started buying into the story. Um, so it was like really, I, I wish I'd known this sooner, to be honest, that you have to be honest and open up you know, in the beginning and people then buy into that, that journey with you. So I want to... Um talk about quickly i was looking at your linkedin and i'm getting the sense from you that um when you look at brand you uh the human side is really important to you, you i think you have a t-shirt and it's like humans over bots or something like that like talk to us about the human side of brand and why that's so important um yeah i think i think it's hard to get people to pay attention these days you know people are spoiled for choice with so much content so many companies trying to get their attention. Um, and I think if you can break through that and kind of show your face in a way that's more authentic, um, it's a good way to pay, get people to pay attention to you. Uh, so I think, I, think, I think the days of faceless companies are, are gone. Um, I think you need to be open. You need to have your founder and your CEO and your team being transparent, showing their faces. Because pe people buy from people that they like and trust, right? Mm -hmm. If you're just buying from a logo, <laughs> there's like no one there to tell the story. Uh, so I believe that you need to have people telling stories, um, people buy into stories, people pay attention to stories. And that's the way to kind of cut through the noise. And I think trust is a huge factor right now. Because of all this noise, all these things competing for your attention, people are drawn to the things that they, that they trust. And people trust people, people trust stories, people trust brands. Um, so for me, it's about really breaking down that barrier, removing the faceless company, showing behind the scenes, you know, sharing your vulnerabilities publicly, being human, showing the human side, and people will then pay attention to those stories. Um, so like for me personally, like when we started moving into this brand building exercise, you know, I thought like, how can I be the most human CEO there is? Like what, what, would, a, what would people be surprised by if I did it as a CEO? So every new customer that signed up for Sendable, we had like hundreds every week, I would manually reach out to them and send a personalized message on LinkedIn saying, hey, hey, Jane, thanks for signing up. We'd love to hear about your company. Every single person got a message from me. And like that interaction really built the brand. They heard from the CEO. They couldn't believe that I was actually contacting them. It's so unusual. And they would then tell their friends that, oh, you should try Sendable because it's such a human company. The CEO really cares. So it's like finding things that you can do that are less um, scalable almost. Things that are like more human, more authentic, more surprising. Uh, will then get people to talk about you more, tell your story for you rather than you telling it yourself. Um, I, think, I think that's important. And other thing is I think ads, people don't pay attention to ads anymore. <laughs> You know, it's so inauthentic, uh, not trustworthy. You have people that have ad blockers installed. I think it's more than a quarter of people in the US have ad blockers now. So you have to find other ways to break through that noise. And the only way is if you have a brand that they can, they can like, uh, know to come to when they need something. So if, you, if you're a memorable brand in their mind, 
they'll then know to come to you. Oh, I need that product. I know that company, that CEO is very human and authentic. Let me go speak to him. You know, so I think mm -hmm. all these little things add up uh, to a bigger sort of brand. Um, yeah. So, so for me, I think being human, being open, being surprising and trying to delight your customers is really key towards building a brand. I really like that. And I, I remember it was years ago when we signed up for Sendable, which is how I'm connected with you on LinkedIn to even initiate this. I, you reached out and, and I was like, that's unusual. I mean, I remember the impression. So, so right on with that, but I'm curious because what you're defining as, as what was important for you in, in defining your brand or creating this brand, were you already doing all of those things? And then as you went through a brand exercise, you started just writing them down and defining that, or was it a, a turning point where you had to pivot and say, let's put markers down and create this brand from this point forward? Um, it was, a, yeah, it was basically putting down markers and figuring out what our vision is as a mm -hmm. company. Uh, so we reached a point where obviously the market was saturated, as I said, we had very well-funded competitors. So I needed to find a way to help us to stand out, be like positioned better in the market. Um, so it started, so I started with the vision. I took the vision and rather than saying we want to be this thing or we'll do that, we, I looked at like what the market's doing, like what is happening in social media right now? Like what's working, what isn't working? Um, and I started with that sort of vision of where things are going and then used that as the sort of the brand uh, narrative. Um, so kind of position, try to find the enemy in the story and then try to position us against that enemy um, was a key thing. But it was a whole exercise of writing the kind of brand narrative, getting the values together, speaking to the team, uh, looking at all the touch points, actually. So we looked at every single touch point in the company. So every customer interaction and finding ways that we could kind of take those values and delight the customer. So for example, like with our support tickets, because we we're trying to be more human, more authentic, more transparent, rather than just writing a ticket back to the customer, we would actually um, use videos. So have the whole support team recording videos, showing their faces again, being human, talking directly to the, to the customer and like showing them that we, you know, that we really care about them. That was like one thing we did. Other thing was having the sales team always have the cameras on. This is like before Zoom was a, a common thing. <laughs> they used to have the cameras off. So I made them all have the cameras on, show your face, show you care and doing less sort of salesy calls, like more just help, being more helpful, being more kind of consultative in their approach. So that even if we don't get the deal, at least they had a really good experience with us. So all the touch points then add up to creating a brand. And as long as those touch points align with your values that you created, you're able to position yourself in the mind of the customers. Um, so it was a deliberate exercise. It took months and it was really hard to get the team to buy in to the exercise because you know, for them, they were used to just selling a product, just a product that sells kind of a, a solution. I was trying to, I tried to tell them not to sell the product, but rather sell like the direction, like the vision to the customers like where are we going and how we can help them. Um, so we kind of got into that sort of mindset. Yeah. Were you doing brand training internally? Were you bring, were you using sort of communications consultants to help get the team aligned on, on how to uh, work the brand, if you will? Um, it was all me actually. So I, I read the book story brand by uh, Donald Miller. I'm sure you guys have read it, <laughs> put it in a book. Um, and I, I knew that we had to do something and I knew it had to come from the CEO. You know, if we had a third party trying to tell us, find out I've been like as authentic as I wanted. So I wanted us to figure it out together almost. So I, I kind of took the idea, the whole concept of, again, with the storytelling thing as a, as a social media company, that the best platform for storytelling is social media. So how can we help our customers become better storytellers on social media? So it's more about like, how can we take this trend we're seeing 
where it's all visual contents, video, people pay attention to this kind of stuff. How can we use that sort of narrative to inform it? And um, once we had that kind of a vision, we could then, I could then work with the team internally. And actually I, I wrote a playbook on like our brand approach, the strategy, how are we gonna do this? It took, it took months, as I said, but we did it all internally. I probably could have done it quicker if I had a, uh, someone helping me, like a, a consultant, um, but I needed to figure it out myself as well as a founder, just how could I take the vision and put that into a brand sort of narrative and make it all fit together. Um, was, that, was that a mind bend for you as someone who came out of a very tech focused, you, you know, your training, your, your preparatory work, right? Like you yeah. were writing code. So was this, this, you know, elusive brand idea, was that really hard for you? Or was that uh, like the fun part of visioning your new, your new future for your company? I think when I, when I started this, we were at a point where I wasn't really coding, you know, I was, I was a CEO. So we had, we had a big, big uh, team already. Um, and I, I went to social media marketing world in San Diego. Um, I think it was back in 2019, possibly. 2018, maybe. Um, and everyone spoke about storytelling and this whole thing. So I came back uh, with, this, with this concept. So it was more about like getting the idea from learning about the industry and then bringing it back, reading about other companies um, and how they were building their brands and kind of understanding where things were going with this, like so much noise, um, kind of vying for our customers' attention. So all of this stuff just all made sense to me. So it was kind of just all this information I took in and decided to then come back and try to get the team to rally around this idea of kind of reinventing our brand. And it was never about a visual like reinvention. It was always about the story and like this brand narrative and the, these concepts that we could then bring forward. And eventually we could then update the website, update our marketing material. But what, what, I, what I did was actually, I wrote a story. Like I took this a customer, created slides showing this customer persona and showing the journey, the struggle that he's facing right now. So, that, so like, I think his name was Bob. He has an agency and, you know, he's tried to use ads to get attention. Ads aren't working anymore. His customers aren't, his clients aren't happy. So what else can he do? And he tried storytelling and kind of getting these authentic stories out. And suddenly he saw the attention go up. So I wrote this whole narrative story and took it through the team and um, used it on customers as well. And showed kind of where we're going and how we're going to help people tell their stories on social media and kind of craft the narrative themselves. So it was really just all about that kind of thing, like self-discovery. Um, but my background is just, I mean, I mean, I have a business background as well. So a business and software development background. So kind of both of those came together, I guess, you know. I love it. And, you know, as you're speaking about all of these different tactics, it also sounds a lot like relationship marketing. I mean, you're, you're putting stories, you're putting your face, you're bringing in that human side and it's so important. And I'd love to, I think we could have a whole side conversation on advertising and is it still... <laughs> Um, is it still worth the effort and the investment? But um, you, it sounded like you were starting to talk about your new brand a bit. So can you talk to us about your um, new startup and, and how that's going and, and where you guys are in the brand journey with that? Um, yeah, so for this startup, I actually started building the brand way before we even launched. Um, so I knew what I was building. Um, I knew what we were, like our belief in the market. It's kind of linked to the advertising thing. <laughs> Um, so it kind of started with that, that belief that ads are no longer as effective as we would like for actually capturing customers. They, they're great for like building brand awareness. So you can get, especially in B2B, you can use ads to get, get attention, get, kind of get awareness, but to actually get someone to buy from you is much harder using ads. Um, another thing is that sales pitches and outbound is no longer effective either. People like to do the research themselves. They come to you when they're ready to buy. 
So things like, you know, cold calling and outbound sales just can, can kind of do you more harm than good. Um, so my, yeah, the whole concept here is that people um, don't pay attention to ads and salespeople anymore, but they pay attention to stories. You know, people pay attention to, to things like Netflix, <laughs> YouTube, where there's actual visual storytelling, like really, really good storytelling is what captures people's hearts. Uh, so rather than pouring money into ads and ad campaigns and paying sales commission, the whole concept of this new company is we want to help businesses really attract customers by capturing the stories that earn their trust. So you've kind of capturing the real stories from the people that your business has impacted and then using those stories to capture attention um, from other customers. Um, so our solution basically lets you capture stories as told by your employees, your customers, your partners, whoever your business impacts, and then kind of turn those into well-produced videos that you can use on social media, on your websites, in your marketing campaigns. Um, and obviously we know that video creation and editing is very expensive. Uh, so we have AI that actually takes those videos and kind of produces them for you. So it adds your branding, um, kind of does all that stuff, adds the music, adds B-roll even, even inserts B-roll into those videos. Um, so you can then use those to infuse them throughout your, your buyer's journey and then use that to kind of capture their trust, get their attention um, and create a, a really a loved brand um, in the eyes of your, your prospects and customers. Um, yeah, so that, that's kind of what the business is, uh, Story Prompt. It's called Story Prompt. You can find it on storyprompt.com. Um, it's still very early days. We have, we have just under 100 sort of early access users now getting into it. Um, but it's, it's very weird, like going from having a big company, you know, with loads of customers, loads of employees to like nothing again, starting over. Um, it's just really interesting, you know, going from that kind of CEO and then back to like a founder of a startup is, is really <laughs> quite, 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 quite a challenge, I would say. <laughs> Well, I, there's got to be an opportunity, though. You've done it. You know, you did it before, even though that may have been accidental in, in how it got started. This seems with a mm. lot more intentionality. Are there lessons learned or things that maybe took you longer the, with the last business that you, you grew and, and then you were able to exit from successfully um, that you're applying here where you're seeing faster um you know, is the brand building coming faster? Is it more intuitive this time? Like what, what's helping you with that learned mm -hmm. experience? Yeah, so I guess it is, it is a bit easier being a second time founder in the sense that I have the audience already, right? So uh, people were following me from Sendable and, you know, once I announced this new startup, they all signed up for the early access list really quickly. Uh, but I think what I'm doing differently now is actually starting with the brand first. So really having the story. So like, like I told you before, with Sendable, I discovered like a few years ago that I should focus on like that, that bigger picture story, like what's happening in the world, where social media going, rather than just building a solution. So I'm doing the same thing here where I'm just looking at the bigger picture, where is advertising going, where's marketing going, uh, where's sales going even, uh, where, where even PR, like where is PR going? You know, is, is, is there a place for PR in the future? <laughs> and mm -hmm. taking all these different things, these things that are maybe going to be outdated in the, in the, in the next few years. Um, and then finding a solution to that. So it's more of like a future sort of mindset. So I've taken that approach, building the brand first, building a proper business plan this time from scratch and actually having a, having a growth engine that doesn't rely on advertising. So most businesses will think, okay, I'm going to launch, I'm going to pay, pay for ads. But in this case, I'm looking at a different way where it can be a more of a viral sort of growth engine where you know, users can introduce other users and that could be the, the actual growth uh, approach. So really thinking about how, I guess it is much harder these days to get attention, as I said. But once you can use startup, is really difficult to get eyeballs. So finding other ways to do that in more, more, more innovative ways, that's more authentic, 
and more focused on the brand side of it. So more about the why, having the podcast, um, finding people who can maybe educate the audience on the same beliefs we have, and then eventually they maybe use the product when they're ready. You know. So what would you say is the essence of your brand now? Um, the brand essence, I would say, um, uh, it's really about capturing trust at scale. So, uh, you know, how would I define the brand, brand essence? I'd say, yeah, I'd say right now, as it is now, it's still obviously evolving, but I'd say it's about yeah, capturing, the, the, capturing trust from your customers and using that trust to attract other customers, really. Mm -hmm. So kind of turning your customers into your best salespeople, essentially, is the, is the, the idea here. How can you take your, your happiest customers and turn them into billboards for your brand, almost? So they kind of do the selling for you and you capture those stories that are so authentic because it's on video and use those stories in a way that can attract others to your business. You described uh, your journey when you were building Sendable uh, as being, you know, superhuman, high touch. You know, that was the, the unique selling point uh, for your platform. You know, you're at you're at early stages right now as as a second time founder. Do you anticipate that um, that being another core component of how you build this this new company? I mean, you mentioned something that that has been intriguing me as we spoke, you said it's, there was a, almost an intentional um, recognition that that high human touch was harder to scale. Um, so, you know, no, it, will that be another component now that you're really about scaling? Um, and how, how do you anticipate using that? Um, yeah, I think it's a good point. So uh, one thing we've done in the product is we kind of leaning into more of a product-led growth approach, which is actually where the product is so intuitive, you don't really need such a high, high touch sort of approach. We have salespeople, et cetera. Uh, so we've actually embedded sort of content, um, like video content of myself or my wife who's just in the business with me now, uh, talking about how the product works, showing video, showing our face. Uh, so one thing we've done actually, it makes it human is after the onboarding journey. So you kind of go through the onboarding journey. Once you complete your first step, there's like a little gif of my wife, like cheering you on, like clapping, applauding you for completing that first thing. So it's very human, very personalized, you know? Um, so I think, I think that that's, that's one thing. Uh, I think other thing is obviously we, we are early stage. So we are doing more, more customer calls right now, handholding where, where it's needed. Um, but I think, I think it's more about, I think, I think it's, it's a very different business to Sendable, you know, where Sendable was really a, a kind of a much more complicated product. They needed a sales team and needed needed more face-to-face -face interaction. This product has that already built in. You know, you have the, you have the video face-to-face -face communication. Um, so it is all human. We're just trying to like sprinkle our own touch in the product and do it through the product rather than do it through like manual calls on Zoom, et cetera. Um, kind of bringing that delight to the product itself rather than outside of that. Uh, and then, yeah, just, just being more authentic from day one. So as I said, it was sendable. I had this fake employee that I created in the beginning, pretend that we were bigger than we were. This is all about showing that we're super small. You know, who we are is, is kind of, um, it's kind of we're, we're being honest about who we are from the beginning. And um, I, think, I think that should, that should kind of come through from our customers. But it's, it's just a weird, it's weird for them to speak to the CEO of Sendable, who is now a founder of a new startup. Uh, so there's a, there's a kind of a mixed sort of dilemma there where they find it awkward speaking to me, maybe wasting my time. Is that how they, how they see it? But I'm really keen to learn from them, like how they would use the product. So it's kind of that, that's the, the, the kind of small dilemma we have right now as to starting over, you know.
Gavin, I want to ask you about the, for our listeners who maybe are creating a startup or already have a startup, you've done both where you waited with Sendable for, you know, it was three or four years before you really invested in brand. Now a story prompt, you're doing the brand first. So what would you tell our listeners who are like, should I invest in brand or not? You know, when should they invest? And, and do you think it's worth, worth the investment for them? Um, yeah, I would say you should invest as early as possible these days. I mean, the, the world has changed compared to when I started Sendable back in 2008, 2009 to now. You know, it's a lot more, um, obviously, it's, it's a lot difficult, a lot harder to get people's attention. Um, and the only way to break through that is to get, is to, is to build a brand yourself. So I would, I would say, um, I think even before you start building your product, even, I would think about brand from the beginning. Like, how can you build a brand how can you position yourself in the mind of your potential buyer or, or customer from the beginning and try to build that into your product? Um, you know, because as I said, people decide what they're going to use. It's not about you selling to them. They're going to decide up front once they've heard about your brand or once they buy into your vision. So I would say think about that from the beginning. Um, it definitely paid off for me. Um, I think I, I don't think we would have been acquired if it wasn't for us deciding to build the brand because mm. one thing we did actually very interesting approach we took which might be useful for your listeners was we were trying to get reviews uh, on g2 crowd which is like a it's an app sort of a review marketplace um so we, we were trying to get reviews from our happiest customers i'm sure we reached out to you guys at some point and the, the whole idea here is like we, we had tried to get a review in exchange for giving a gift voucher so you would give us a review we'd give you a gift voucher a, a gift card and it worked for a bit, but then it like, started like, like fading out. It stopped working after a while. So I said to the marketing team, how about we try giving out swag rather? Let's have the brand essence on the swag, which is every brand has a story, be its voice, which is kind of targeted to agencies, help give your clients a voice. Um, let's, let's have the swag, which, which is like less, less about us saying sendable, but rather about the brand essence. And let's offer that in exchange for a review. And if they do give us a review, they'll wear the hoodies, we'll get brand awareness. So we ended up trying this campaign. Uh, people love the hoodies. We got so many reviews that we went to like the top five tools in social media in our space on G2 Crowd because of all the reviews we got. So I think because, I guess, because we have this really strong brand vision, brand essence, our customers were willing to wear our, our swag and you know, wear it out and be proud of it um, and give us a review at the same time. So I think if you can do that kind of thing, I think having the reviews is really key as well these days to get attention. Um, and build trust. But I think tying that into your brand as well is, is super key. And it's about having your brand essence, your brand vision as part of that. And less about saying what you do, or what your product is, more about why you do it. So I would think about your why from the beginning as you're building your solution and uh, draft your brand narrative in the beginning. Yeah. I think that's fantastic advice. I love the why as a starting point. Simon Sinek, start with why. Yeah. It's like, you know, it, everything can flow from that as a North star as it, before we wrap up here, I would be interested to know, are there brands, whether they're local to you in your space or global, um, that you look to aspirationally, um, or that have inspired you? Um, so one brand that helped me on this journey in the beginning, like when I first realized about building a brand, it was, was drift. And if you guys have heard of drift, mm -mm. Um, so they were in a very competitive market. They offer like live chat sort of software. So you embed a chat widget on your site. Okay. Very, very common sort of thing, right? 
uh, similar to Intercom, uh, those kinds of, you know, I think HubSpot has the feature now, but they started building their brand from the beginning. Um, before they even built their product, they had a podcast where they told their story about how they were building it. Never, ever spoke about the product, always about their journey, like how they were overcoming challenges, getting the audience to buy into them. Mm -hmm. um, and through that podcast and through them telling their story, they attracted obviously their, their target market, which was like founders and CEOs. And they actually built this no forms movement. So kind of like, like I was saying about having an enemy, picking an enemy and then building that sort of positioning in the, in the mind of your, your buyers. Their whole enemy was about no forms. Like people don't like forms, people like conversations. Um, so they had this whole thing about no forms, movements, all this stuff. And suddenly you have this thing in your mind, oh, they're the guys who don't believe in forms. They believe in chatbots and chat. And people quickly knew what they stood for and kind of bought into their brand. Uh, and then through that, I discovered Andy Raskin and his sort of brand narrative framework. And if you guys have seen that, where you identify a big shift in the world. So you take the big shift, you can kind of um, identify the shift, and then you find the winners and losers. So you say that, for example, this thing's going to happen. There'll be winners and losers. The winners will do this. The losers will suffer that. And then you tease the promise down, like where you can take those people if they follow your brand. Um, and it's just a really good way to kind of build your narrative. So I discovered this narrative uh, framework and then built our narrative on that. Um, other brands I would say is probably Tesla. Um, I don't know if, if you guys have ever followed Tesla, but they don't have any ads or salespeople, really. You know, people know about them because of their brand. And it's more about like what you as the customer stand for along with their story. So the story is about, you know, moving forward, uh, kind of getting rid of petrol or gas, gasoline, being more electric focused. Um, and they don't have any ads. So like most car companies, you have ad, ad campaigns, you know, huge magazine spreads. Mm -hmm. Tesla has no ads because they've built this incredible brand. People are just buying their story and want to be part of their journey. So I think if you can aspire to be like Tesla or like Drift in the B2B space, um, that, that's a great starting point. That, that's awesome. And great advice to share with our listeners. Today, we've been talking with Gavin Hammer. He's the founder of StoryPrompt and the founder and former CEO of Sendable, a social media scheduling tool that uh, I use here at Arlington Strategy. So thank you for joining us today. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of The M Word. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter. And we'd really love it if you would leave us a review. Until next time, don't be afraid to be uncensored. The M Word is an Arlington Strategy production hosted by Jennifer Molchandani and Heather Michaelgard. Our theme music is Golden Reflections of the Sun by Vlad Glushenko. Graphic design by Kayla Fagan. Sound engineering and editing by Ben Mulchandani and Nina Sofia Pacheco. Editing by Nina Sofia Pacheco and Janelle Walters.